Good morning, Tri-Valley. Glad you could join us this morning. We're going to continue on in our study through the Psalms called Ready for Anything. And we've been singing enthronement psalms this morning, the psalms that talk about God being our king. And I want to begin the lesson this morning with a little pop quiz to see how well you know some of your modern-day monarchs, kings and queens ruling in different parts of the world. Uh, you didn't know this was coming. That's why it's a pop quiz, so just do your best. Question number one, who is the current king of Spain? You know this one? You're like, uh, I'm not so sure. Correct answer is King Felipe VI. King Felipe VI is what we were looking for. Question number two, who is the current king of Japan? You know where Japan is. You probably don't know who's in charge there. Uh, the correct answer is Emperor Naruhito. Here he is. This is the, the king, the emperor of Japan. Question number three, who is the current king of Morocco? We're looking for the king of Morocco. Now this one, I got to admit, this one's a little bit tricky. Most of you probably thought, king of Morocco, that's got to be King Mohammed V. But the answer is actually King Mohammed VI. There he is, king of Morocco. How are we doing so far? Have you gotten any right? Probably not. Uh, maybe you should have studied more. That's why they call it a pop quiz. Anyway, we'll press on. Question number four. Who is the current king of Denmark? Looking for the king of Denmark. And it was actually a trick question. There is no current king of Denmark. The ruling monarch is a queen, and it's Queen, uh, it's queen Margrethe II. There she is, Queen Margrethe. Last question. You guys, you might actually get this one. Who is the ruling monarch, king or queen of England? We're looking for who is the queen of England? And the answer is Queen Elizabeth II. Did some of you get it? Thank you, Netflix, for making the show The Crown. Yeah, she's been the queen for almost 70 years now. It's crazy, right? Well, my guess is that most of you failed the quiz, uh, and that's okay. You're probably not feeling too bad about it. You might be thinking, after all, how am I supposed to be expected to know who sits on the throne in some piece of land all the way across the world? You might be thinking, they might be the king or queen, but they're not my king or queen, and uh, why should I care what they're up to? You also might be thinking, a lot of these nations have constitutional monarchies anyway. These monarchs don't have any absolute power. In some cases, they're just ceremonial figureheads without any real power or influence in people's lives. So we could probably summarize some of the reasons we don't know about or care about foreign monarchs by saying, you're not a real king and you're not my king. But this morning, the Psalms invite us to say to God, you are the real king. You're the true king. And you are my king. So as we spend some time in the enthronement psalms, I want you to pay attention to the words that are used. Realize that the psalms that we've heard already, the psalms that we're going to hear, and the songs that we've been singing are big commitments to the Lord. We're saying things like, you are the Lord of all that I am. I want you to reign in me. So today's a good day to examine ourselves and see if these words actually match our lives and our hearts. So the enthronement psalms are kind of easy to spot. They're the ones that talk about God being king. They use words like reign and robe and throne and majesty. They're the Psalms that acknowledge and celebrate God's goodness and his justice, his worthiness to rule and reign in the world. They lift up God all the way to the highest place and they place him higher than any other nation or ruler or force in the universe. Listen to Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. 
He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. So even though most of us weren't raised in a country with a king, we all know that kings wear robes. We could recognize a king. We talk about king's robes and crowns. In my research, I came across uh, a picture of a modern-day monarch. This is a photo of King Tupu VI of Tonga, the day of his coronation. Check it out. Fancy king, wearing his fancy king robes. He's got a big old crown on. I'm not really sure why his eyes are closed in this picture. It's like, come on, dude, you've only been king for like five minutes and you're already tired of the gig? Anyway, look at how God is described here. He's got robes, but he's robed in majesty and strength. It's not God's fine garments that define him, but it's his character. God, your goodness defines you. And it's not a palace that's adorned with gold and marble that makes you the king, but verse 5 says, your house is adorned with holiness, another characteristic of God. And what about God's tenure as reigning king? How long has he been reigning? Has it been as long as Queen Elizabeth, reigning for 70 years almost? Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. It says, Lord, you've been king of the world as long as there was a world, since the time when the world was established. That's a long reign. God doesn't get sleepy after five minutes of reigning like this guy, but he continues to rule faithfully. Verses 3 and 4 talk about the seas, which whenever you see that in Scripture, that represents chaos and disorder. And verse 3 says that the noise of the sea, yeah, it's loud and menacing, but God is mightier than the crashing seas. And this brings to mind the story of creation, where the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, over the chaos, over the opposite of the creation that we know and experience today. And God's mighty voice spoke then as well and brought into existence the world as we know it. Now that's pretty far from a ceremonial figurehead who doesn't actually do anything but pose for pictures. That's someone who has the right to be called the king, the creator, the chaos tamer, the order maker, and our rescuer. Psalm 29, another enthronement psalm that Roger read for us earlier, also speaks of God's power over the seas and his forever reign. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. And then it goes on to point out why God being the greatest king is a good thing for all people. Verse 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So God is the best God because he does what is best for his people. Keep in mind, the ancient world was very polytheistic. There were lots of different gods for lots of different things. You had your harvest gods. You had your weather gods, fertility gods, success gods, protection gods, healing and health gods, your local gods, your hill gods, your valley gods, your river gods, mountain gods. There were lots of gods. And everybody knew this. People would say, yeah, you have your gods over there and you worship them. Fine. We have our gods and we like them. Great. So it's expected that local people favor their local gods. It's kind of like professional sports teams. If someone lives in Seattle, you shouldn't be surprised to discover that they root for the Seahawks. So Israel's neighbors 
might have heard these enthronement psalms and thought, yeah, okay, that's what I would expect. You like your gods. I get it. But there's an important difference when it comes to Yahweh. He's not just one of many local deities. It turns out he is the Lord of all. Psalm 47. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. He's not just our local God, like the king of Seattle or the king of Morocco or Denmark. He's Lord of all. He is king of all kings. When they say that God does what is best for his people, it turns out they don't just mean Israel. They mean all people on earth are his people. And so Yahweh, the good king, does good things for all people. And so the enthronement of God is good news for everyone. Well, everyone except those who want to be king themselves. They may not want to give up their throne so that God can become king of all kings. And we can maybe relate to that. We may have a hard time giving up power, control, and rule in our lives. We have a hard time letting go of control of our own little fiefdoms. You like that word, fiefdom? It's kind of a fancy little word. Here's another one, abdication. This is a fancy word that means giving up the throne. If you're a king, you're basically three ways not to be king anymore. One, if you abdicate, you give up power. Two, if a stronger, greater king comes in and takes over. Or three, if you die. And Jesus, God in the flesh, the fullness of God the Father, calls us to do all three of those things. He says, I want you to abdicate to me. Let me wear the crown. I'm a stronger and a greater king anyway. You can trust me. But in order for that to happen, you have to die to yourself. Jesus says this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And the Apostle Paul talks about putting to death the old self, becoming a living sacrifice and being crucified with Christ. And when someone is ready to say, I believe that Jesus is the real king and I want him to be my king, then they're baptized in water. They participate in Jesus' death and resurrection. Going down into the water declares, I'm dying to my old self. And then being raised up out of the water says, I'm a new creation and I want Jesus to wear the crown in my life. And today, like in ancient times, we live in a world where there are many gods trying to get influence and power in our lives. We have wealth gods, pleasure gods, image gods, success gods, freedom gods. There's lots of gods today as well. And if we're honest, we'd admit that they do more reigning in our lives than we realize. We don't seem to have a hard time abdicating the throne to them. So why don't we instead lay down our crowns, lay down our lives to the one who laid down his life for us? I know that's a big thing to ask to trust Jesus with every part of your life and be your leader. But in addition to the enthronement psalms that remind us of what a good king God is, we see Jesus do the very thing that he's asking us to do. He lays down his life. He lets go of his status as God over all, and he makes himself nothing, completely submits himself to the Father. He went to the cross and he laid down his life for us. And then he trusted that God's spirit would raise him from the grave. And that's exactly what happened. 
In Revelation 4, John describes a scene of what happens in heaven after Jesus' death and resurrection. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me, like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Then he goes on to say, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. This is an excellent image of what Christians should do. We should submit our lives to the will of God. And the enthronement psalms help equip us to live out the prayer that says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because when God is on the throne, that's a good thing for everyone. Tim Keller says that even if you don't believe the gospel, you should still want it to be true. Because it's the story of the good king restoring the earth. And I think that we all long for a good king to be enthroned in our world and in our lives. Not some unknown monarch who lives miles away. Not a ceremonial figurehead who has no actual power in our lives. And certainly not a tyrannical leader who serves only himself. We want the good king who blesses his people and who gives strength to his people. And I believe that Jesus is that king. He lived a sinless life, and he died a criminal's death. He was raised, and he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he is someone worth giving your life to. So, if I ask you why you don't know one of these modern-day monarchs, you might say, uh, because he's not a real king, and because he's not my king. But Christians say just the opposite about Jesus, the king of all kings. When someone takes on the name Christian and gets baptized, we usually ask them two questions. One, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Another way of saying that is, do you think that he's a real king? The, the real king. And the second question is, are you willing to make him the Lord of your life and to follow him from now on? Another way of saying that is, will you say that he's my king? And if you can say yes to both of these questions, then I want to invite you to do what we see men and women in Scripture doing. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receive God's Holy Spirit. and Live the rest of your life as a new creation. You can do that today if you want to. Get in touch with me. We can make that happen. And if you've already said yes to Jesus, but you're still having trouble letting him wear the crown and lead your life, i got to tell you, you're not alone. We are all working on faith and trust together. That's a hard thing to do. But let us know how we can pray for you and encourage you and help you in this task. So as we sing this last song this morning, I want you to consider it as a prayer of dedicating your life to Jesus or maybe rededicating your life to serve the one true King. Let's sing this song together now. Over all the earth, you reign on high. Every mountain stream, every sunset sky, but my one request.